0: Welcome to yet another politically charged episode. Today, we'll embark on a journey on one of India's most notable political personalities, that is our Prime Minister Narendra Modi, arguably one of our strongest Prime Ministers. He's not just an ordinary leader. He's influential, inspiring, and extremely popular. We are here to understand more about the same. Today, I have with me two bright speakers to enlighten you on the same. Hence, we'll be running it on a very interesting format to enhance your understanding on the same. I welcome Gautam Arun Lakshman and Tejas Krishna to the floor. So, can you both introduce yourselves?
1: Uh, but talking about me, I'm a third-year law student. I am c- currently doing my bachelor's in law at College of Law. So strong fervence for Indian political scenario when I was in tenth. And as a result, I took up humanities. I developed a strong interest in law. And so I'm pursuing my law degree currently. And also my fervence in Indian politics has actually led me into delegating in all India political parties meet, which is a a platform for Manas especially to discuss topics of interest to to Indian politic Indian politics. So that is also where we and, and yeah, so currently, we're right now planning to have a discuss on this particular topic on whether or not the prime minister is a mirror reflection of himself as it is projected by his you know PR team. So that is what I'm here for. And that's all about me, I think.
2: Sure, sure. Thank you, Tejas. Thank you. That, that was a short and sweet introduction. This dynamic space, um, there are a lot of inputs that come from different sides, and I believe taking in all of these inputs and processing them is very important in shaping our understanding. And actually, I very much appreciate Mr. Jairam for and they get to formulate their opinion well as well.
0: Thank you both of you for your wonderful words. I think Gautam Lakshman is like one of the senior most members in the ambient circuit right now and he has been doing ambience for more than five, six years. And Tejas, I know him from exactly a year back where we met for the first time at Law College in Trivandrum, and it has been a great experience. And I must personally say that Tejas has been enacting Prime Minister Modi in the APPM committee, and I really appreciate how he has been doing it. And I think Modi himself should see how Tejas is impersonating him as such, if I have to say like that. So coming back to our topic at hand, so we'll be discussing more about Narendra Modi, how he got... National attention, firstly, as the Chief Minister of Gujarat, which was his karma bhumi, as he personally talks about. From a tea seller to a RSS karyakarta, later on being part of the BJP leadership, his popularity skyrocketed, actually. He first worked in Ahmedabad, where he brought down the Congress government, which was one of the strongest at that point of time in Gujarat, And later, he brought his party to majority in the state as well. Talking about him being chief minister of the state, he followed always a unique style, which is really different from a lot of politicians in India because he followed containing of bureaucracy and making bureaucracy really different from what we see as bureaucracy across India. He brought the policy of minimal government, which is reducing the role of government in economy and encouraging privatization, that has been his policy in Gujarat. Although he diverted a bit away when he came to power in Delhi, although largely that has been his Gujarat model of governance, which he portrayed to be one of the biggest tipping points when he was contesting in the 20, uh, 2014 elections. And also we can see his 13 years of experience. As the CM, we cannot mention uh, his record, as well as we cannot talk about him being an important CM of the country, which is for a very long time, because 13 years in politics is a long time. And also the infamous Gujarat riots, which got him worldwide attention as well, and a lot of countries actually banned him from entering their particular countries as well. And coming to him being the PM, he built his popularity on the Gujarat model and also became a very strong leader. He took important decisions like implementing GST, demonetization. Then also he formulated a lot of uh, important foreign policy decisions. The aggressive nationalism he shows on TV and also portrays to the rest of the world, as well as a lot of people and his followers see him in particular as an undisputed leader who doesn't refrain from taking strong decisions. I think that's something which actually put him apart from other leaders. So whether you oppose him or actually like him a lot, I think he's a figure we cannot ignore him. And he'll be like one of the most popular leaders of India, and that's what we will see in future. So I'll call for introductory remarks from both of you. So the stage is up for you guys.
1: Jaram, just like how you put it, I think uh, he's by far the most apt person for whom you can say, you know, love him or hate him, but you just cannot ignore him. So just starting off by saying that he's one of the most important figures in Indian politics as of now. And there is no denying of the fact. So no matter what we agree on or no matter what we disagree on, there is always a consensus between three of us. And I think uh, the consensus is pretty much shared by almost all the important leaders, almost all the important polemicists and and speakers in the Indian political scenario who perhaps discuss on these issues that he's by far the most influential and important person in the Indian political circuit as of now. But uh, the topic for discussion here is that the person whom we think he is, or you see the PR team or the Media Project Center, every political leader, every political institution, every country, or every mechanism as such is actually a disappointment in comparison to the ideal conceptualization of what it should be. So when you craft a role model, when you craft an conception of how a thing should be, and then when you compare the with, same with an actual person or with an actual institution, you can actually say that they are disappointments because as human beings institutions built up by, by human beings, beings all of these things, things can actually can have their limitations and they have their limitations disappointments in comparison to their ideal concept. In that sense, is PM Modi an actual disappointment? So, well, uh, so rather than putting this in black or white, I think I'll, which I think is where uh, the truth lies in most of the issues. But I think, uh, you know, Modi's popularity has got more to do with uh, what he stands for or how he's projected rather than what he is, or what he is capable of. And by that, I mean, there is something called digital populism, which has taken its roots in, in the advent of social media, and especially the onset of the what, what we could call, you know, uh, the post-truth politics, the post-truth political scenario, wherein we actually have projections of feelings that that we want to see manifested in the society. So talking in that sense, Modi is actually a manifestation of the right-wing politics, which has actually taken its foothold very strongly ever since the advent of social media in 2014. I'm not saying that it did not exist before that. But I think there is a very strong connection between the flourishment of right-wing politics and right-wing tendencies and the advent of social media. Because right-wing politics, as, as, as opposed to left-wing pol- 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 politics and you know policies, is actually an endorsement of your internal fears or your insecurities as opposed to left-wing politics, which is actually cultivated, you know? So when you actually have this sentiment of cultural nationalism just, you know, shaking its uh, head and sort of rising to prominence, you actually have got a couple of things that that lie at the very fundamental predicament of this whole, you know, uh, movement that has actually taken its foothold. And that is one, the fear of certain groups, certain sections of the society and the hate-mongering or the fear-mongering that is often unleashed against them. Like, for example, in India, it happens against the Muslims. So you you have a person who's going to emulate this particular fear, who epitomizes your your defense against the so-called radicalization that is happening against the Muslims. And you have a very powerful person, a very charismatic person who you actually believe or think can actually help you defend your country or your identity from the radicalization that is happening on the other side. So Modi's popularity pretty much lies on this communal polarization that has taken place in India. So when you think that you have got a very powerful person and when he is projected to be a powerful person who you think can actually defend your identity, which in this case is the majority identity, which is the Hindu identity in India, from a radicalization which has happened on the other side, from them gulping down your country, completely dismantling and decimating your identity and making this country their own. You support for that person. And then again, he's not a normal person, a very charismatic person, who's actually got a track record of, of you know, allegedly unleashing uh, a genocide against this particular community about whom this fear-mongering is happening. And that is what sort of thrust him to popularity. You have this hyper-Hindu figure who is very charismatic, who is very powerful, who is very influential, We can actually protect you from this this particular section of the society who can potentially completely take over your country. So that is one of the factors which sort of thrust him to prominence, which is one of the factors which makes him influential and important right now. And apart from that, his brand of populist politics. I mean, is Narendra Modi a person like Shashi Shashithar, or is he someone who can actually do a Vivek Ramaswamy? Can he actually face media, answer their questions, and sort of put forth the very intellectual discourse, which sort of makes him a very formidable figure? No. He's a demagogue. He can actually address a huge gathering. He can make quite fiery and rhetorical speeches. But apart from doing that, he, he is not someone who can actually sit down with an intellectual person, have an intellectual discourse and sort of you know, show his prowess or, or show his deep understanding about intellectual issues of national importance. Uh, pit him against someone like Shashi Tharoor, or pit him against someone like, uh, let's say, for example, Subramanian Swami, which is, who is from his own party is not someone who can actually shine bright in that respect but rather he is a demagogue who can actually show uh, a certain amount of uh, you know uh, 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 showmanship or or he's actually a man of spectacles he brings a lot of theatrics into this whole concept of prime ministership so he is actually the perfect fit the perfect amalgamation for the the social media sphere uh, to to you know uplift or or identify themselves with and sort of project him as their as their hero. So I think that is pretty much what I have to say about his rise to popularity and and the fact that he's still in prominence right now. I think yeah we'll we'll just stop with that. That is all about my opening remarks. We'll discuss more on the issue when we sort of have an in depth discussion on the same.
2: Uh, okay, that was that was actually quite a captivating opening remark. But I think I think since you took your own sweet time, uh, sort of um, unleashing your remark. Um, on to the audience. Let me uh, let me try a different ball game here. All right. Let's say let's say this is for the better benefit of the populace. We all know that all the three of us are talking about this from a particular point of view, and the point of view we approach, right, uh, might have uh, might have its own facts and its own merits as far as we are concerned. In order for a better discussion, I believe. A different side of this needs to be exposed and so I think, I think I'll think I take it to be my opportunity to play the devil's advocate and uh, talk about a different side of things so that uh, the listeners uh, get a different spectrum to experience, right? So uh, what are we here for? We are here to dissect a captivating enigma rather in the world of politics an enigma that is embodied by the prime ministerial post of our country. So the real question is, is is, is the population of India seeing prime min, the post of prime minister or are they seeing Narendra Modi? Now we have to delve into the intriguing notion that PM Modi is a mirror reflection of his image, of his PR image. Right. So what I would like to put forth is that in the realm of leadership, Perception often intertwines with reality and creates a tapestry of expectations, beliefs, and actions. As far as Narendra Modi is concerned, he is a man of humble origins who rose through the ranks of the RSS to become the chief minister of Gujarat and eventually ascended the pinnacle of Indian politics. And we must say that he is undeniably a master of this intricate dance between perception and reality. Let us actually gaze to the past, to a time before 2014 when Narendra Modi was known primarily for his association with the RSS and his tenure as Gujarat's chief minister. We all know that it was a period marked by an image that projected him as a staunch nationalist, a proponent of the Hindutva ideology per se. His leadership in Gujarat was a double-edged sword marked by impressive economic development, but also marred by the controversy such as the 2002 riots. We all know. But it was also a time when the seeds of the PR image we see today were sown. An image of a decisive and strong leader with an unwavering commitment to his ideas. That is the image uh, that has reaped fruit today. Now, we enter into an era of 2014, right, where it, was, it is the watershed moment of Indian politics, where Narendra Modi embarked on a campaign that was nothing short of a PR spectacle. His image was meticulously crafted by the, uh, 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 by the RSS, rather, as the embodiment of hope, development and progress. His origins, portrayed to be humble, were woven into a narrative of the common man's rise to the Senate of Power. The Gujarat model was presented as a blueprint for national development and he became the face of economic reform, innovation, and modernity. Now, there is one thing that we often forget, which we should not, that behind the veneer of PR, governance is a nuanced and intricate endeavor. We must explore the policies of the NDA government during both its terms and we must question whether they truly reflect um, the image that is um, rather being portrayed. Now, I understand that we have a lot to discuss here. We have a lot to discuss. And as we embark on this journey of discussion and exploration, uh, we we should recognize that behind the persona of not only Narendra Modi, but also any leader, right? There lies a mosaic of facets. And these facets are often obscured by the carefully crafted veneer of public relations.
0: So thank you so much, both of you, for twisting the topic and bringing in an academic-style discussion wherein you talked about a lot of terms and terminologies, how we have to see the rise of PM Modi and how he is portraying himself to the rest of the country as well as the rest of the world. So now it's time for uh, counter-arguments. So starting from Tejas, do you agree with whatever... Lakshman has said, and what do you have to say about it?
1: Well, I think he just laid down a, a basic framework as to what he has to talk about. And uh, if you ask me about the very specific points that he mentioned, I think there is no de- denying of the fact that he is, in fact, a, you know, pioneer when it comes to developmental politics in the sense that he is pro-development, he is pro-privatization. And talking about his economic policies per se, I'm not someone who personally disagrees with a lot of what he does. But in fact, what I disagree with him or his governmental policy is, is the you know emphasis that they lay on this particular concept called cultural nationalism and what they think is the identity of the country. So just like how a person has got a personality, they say that this nation has got something of a nationality, something of of a, you know, something that can be paralleled with uh, a of a person, which they think is a Hindu identity, which they think is Hindu. Too. So they, th- they believe that this nation has actually got a Hindu identity. And that is also something which has actually thrust them into power. So because they've been able to successfully sort of manifest the same emotion, talking about him being a mirror refl- a reflection of his PR image. I mean, I'll sort of rephrase the very same question which I mentioned in my opening remarks as well. Is he the sort of person who can actually play a Vivek Gramswami or is he the sort of intellectual smart person who is actually fit for social media? Is he, is he the sort of political leader who can actually address proper press Against a subject matter expert or a public intellectual can actually have an intellectual, intellectual discourse, discourse on a specific topic of importance. person who can actually attend a proper press conference? conference and sort of give specific specific answers to questions that has been posted against him. And just looking at his track record, looking at the instances where he has found himself answering questions or having discussions with people, it is very evidently the case that he is not someone who can actually uh, place himself in that position and sort of emerge the winner of the game. Whether it be his statements on, you know, not being crafts behind clouds or Or the answer that he he gave to a, reporter who perhaps posited a question on of minorities in India when he was he, actually on a visit to US with President Joe Biden, or look at his press conference uh, that that he attended with Amit Shah, or whether it be his interview with Karan Thapar or with BBC, him. it's very evident that he's not someone who can actually emerge the smartest person in the room when he, he's with a group of people who actually know what they're talking about. Instead, he has, is his PR team or he himself or his party has, you know, predominantly focused on exploiting his charisma or or you know, his thesis you know, uh, showmanship or theatrics that he sort of brings into this post of being a prime minister so again, that is the vast, uh, you know, aspect offered by social media you can just have edited clips of the prime minister sort of walking on the road or sort of attending a, a function or sort of speaking on a podium then sort of you know add a, a, some 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 sort of a background music into it and sort of circulate it as as a as an evidence of his personal charisma and capability on social media but sort of when he finds in, himself in a in an actual situation where his you know uh, intellect has to work for him he very often disappoints so that i think is the disparity between the social media perception of what narendra modi is or, or you know, but, uh, a nice. version of what he can actually do and, and stand for.
2: Kautam, yes, yes, yes. <clears throat> so I think, I think the vision that my dear friend is taking, right? Um, it's actually a good vision, as in, as in this is how every other citizen of India should think. But there is an inherent problem with that mission, right? The inherent problem is that my, I think, Thesis here thinks that being an intellectual is a prerequisite to occupy the post of prime minister. I'd rather say it's not, because at least in the Indian political scenario, a prime minister, I think, is a a rather symbolic person who represents uh, the better or uh, the whole of the society, right? That is one thing, and the second thing is the debate here is rather not about is he intellectual or not. The debate of discourse here is is about his image. So I think I think there's an inherent problem with the stance that my friend took right there, and I believe that is uh, rather portraying. Um, the prime ministerial seat as a seat that demands an intellectual person. And I believe in India, at least in the Indian context, uh, the prime minister is a rather symbolic representation of the people, of the masses, right? Uh, there is no doubt that Mr. Narendra Modi is a shrewd politician. And I believe my friend can agree to that as well. Because, because we saw what he did in Gujarat. We, we know what his political upbringing is. So there is no doubt about uh, narendra modi being a shrewd politician now the indian polity has enough spots has enough room for intellectuals who uh, who stand behind the camera right who do not come in front of the scene there is an intellectual panel that is closely working with the government to take decisions so The question should not rather be about is he an intellectual or not. And talking about his PR image, which is the point of debate here, point of contention. uh, BJP has never taken it their motive to portray him as a very intellectual personality, right? Instead, they've always taken it their motto to portray him as a sannyasin, as a common man, as a tea seller, as somebody who resembles the masses, as somebody who can relate to the masses. That is number one. And number two being the fact that, uh, I believe that being an intellectual, uh, uh, I think uh, with a little bit of privilege, as in uh, privilege is a contributing factor to one's, uh, uh, you know, one being branded as an intellectual. Because uh, because the sort of upbringing, the sort of situations that they come across, I believe all of these influence their thought process. And so I believe there is inherent merit um, for the current PR image of Narendra Modi to not portray him as an intellectual uh, because of the same deal, right? But uh, this is where we should make the distinction. Uh, BJP never believes in portraying their leaders as intellectuals, right? For them, leaders and intellectuals are two different sides of the spectrum. Even as far as Yogi Adityanath is concerned, uh, they have a lot of other cards to use, right? So intellectual card is not one of them. That is that is my primary point. Now my secondary point being, uh, is he capable, right? That's a very interesting question. But the rather important question is, is any of our political leaders capable? I'm not saying I'm not saying everybody is bad, or uh, I'm not going down that slippery slope. But what I am trying to say here is that the way our system has been structured. Is uh, for the benefit or uh, for the contrary? Is not dependent on the actual figure for the actual policies, right? There are there are there is a plethora of policymakers in the background uh, waiting for these people. And not just Narendra Modi, as far as any politician is concerned, any person who's taken power so i believe uh, i believe this is the uh, this is the discourse that we should have in our mind while we debate this particular point that my dear friend has raised but apart from that there is no doubt that uh, there is no doubt that there is uh, there is a lot of questions about how narendra how mr modi faces the media of uh, of how his interactions have been but i believe then again they are out of the scope because that is not what bjp has tried to portray mr modi as
1: so, uh, well, uh, Government it is certainly not my case that the BJP has been trying to project him as an intellectual person. And by intellectual, I don't mean, you know, the Shashi Tharoor kind of intellectual person or let's say, if you if you could name another few intellectuals, I'm not saying that the BJP has been trying to project him as someone who belongs to those, that, that particular creed of intellectuals that we generally talk about or the general conception of, uh, of what an intellectual is that all of us share. But I mean... If it wasn't for social media, so let, let us look at it this way. Let's let's take the example of Shashi Tharoor. I'm definitely not comparing Narendra Modi and Shashi Tharoor, but just to put my point across the table, let's do a comparison. Let's do an analogy. So if it wasn't for social media, if it wasn't for all this hype, and if it wasn't for all the edited videos that is being circulated on social media, which has you know facilitated and greatly aided in his popularity as a political leader, which has in fact done a, a substantial part. In in making him relevant and by far the most important political leader in the country, if it wasn't for all this social media works, if it uh, wasn't for his you know PR working, if it was just for his speeches, if it was just for uh, the way in which he, if it just was for the way in which he deals with the media, would he be the person that he is right now? So let's take the uh, example of that We asked about a politician we can actually you know handle the social media. Even if it wasn't for all the social media hack that is going behind it, Shashi Tharoor would still be Shashi Tharoor. He would still be the sort of intellectual person that we think of him uh, right now. But at the same time, Narendra Modi, minus all of the social media hype and all of the PR image that surrounds him, would he be the same person that we now think he is, is the question. So. Modi minus PR would be a very lackluster, or perhaps a much more you know, you know a submissive, a, a, a wayless important, a wayless influential figure, if it wasn't for the charming theatrical showman spectacle that he's projected to be by the social media. So on the other hand, all of the other leaders that we're talking about right now would still maintain their stature, even if it wasn't for the social media hype that is, you know, that, that is surrounding them right now. But as far as Modi is concerned, it is more about style and less about substance, which is my point. So, if you want to respond to that.
2: So, I think uh, I think the question that my friend posed here is, will Modi be the same person if not for his PR promotions? Well, the answer obviously is no. I, I would rather say that even Shashi Tarur would be a different person than uh, uh, what he is with all of his social media influence and reads and what comes with his PR, right? Uh, not just ashita or any other leader in the Indian political scenario. Now, if you're talking about the disparity between these people, if their PR were to be taken away, the answer is that we actually never know as as long as we want. But as long as we don't know about the inner workings of the party and as we as we don't have a clear-cut idea on how much of strings can Mr. Narendra Modi pull inside his party uh, which can like my friend said range from um, zero or you know uh, Narendra Modi just being a theatrical showman that um, his PR image is showing him to be or it could be that Narendra Modi is a controlling factor inside the BJP? The answer is we simply never know. Because we haven't explored, we haven't got an opportunity to, and no matter how ma- no matter how much experts have debated and discussed on this, the simple answer is we don't have a sneak peek into the inner workings of the party or uh, how much of a hold Mr. Narendra Modi has.
1: Uh, well, just a quick response to that. The ideal conception of what a leader should be and the real-life workings of a leader. So there is a disparity. And if you if you just want to look at that, we could call all of them disappointments. But the real question is, how far astray should they be from this ideal conception for us to call them disappointments? Now let's look at the PR crafted image of Narendra Modi, and then the real-life workings of Narendra Modi. Let's put the same against the real-life you know, workings of Shashi Terur and the PR crafted image of Shashi Teru. Well, if you look at the fan base that Shashi Tharoor has been able to cultivate over these years. It is mostly, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, comprised of people who actually listen to his speeches, who understands what he's saying, who perhaps have got a capability to understand his vision and expertise on different issues, who, who perhaps would read his books or, you know, uh, has developed a liking for him after actually listening to what he's saying. But as far as Narendra Modi is concerned, his popularity simply does not come with his works. It does not depend On people who actually know and understand what he's saying. Perhaps I I can give you an example from my own life. My grandmother is actually a great fan of Narendra Modi. She does not understand a single word of what he's saying. She does not understand Hindi. But where does this fandom or, or fanning come from? It of course comes from this PR image, this PR aura, this PR charisma that has been created around this particular political era. So if it wasn't for the PR crafted version of Narendra Modi, if it wasn't for the PR aid that he, that he has been receiving from around him from, you know, uh, from his party or from his PR team, of course, he would be perhaps of a a, a more lackluster, a more submissive, a, a way less important person as compared to what he's right now. But as far as Shashi Tharoor is concerned, let's take the example of Shashi Tharoor because we have been talking about Shashi Tharoor. And because we have already taken him as an example, even if it wasn't for all the social media hype, Shashi Tharoor is still going to be Shashi Tharoor because his popularity and his mandate in uh, you know, among people is not dependent on his church but it is rather dependent on his real life workings. So, of course, there is there is going to be a disparity, but I think the disparities is way more huge and incomparable when you're when pitting Narendra Modi against someone like Shashita, the disparity between their pre-crafted self and their actual self.
0: Okay. So, thank you, both of you, for your enlightening thoughts, especially in the first half of our so what I feel is both of you have given a lot of valid remarks as it. Well. And I agree with a lot of which both of you have said at the same time, I think there are discrepancies in whatever you guys have said as well. So just summarizing about it, they just talked about how Modi himself is not actually what he is what is portrayed to the larger world. Rather he's incapable of doing a lot of things like facing the media, holding himself accountable in front of maybe, say, the parliament or few journalists who want to question him. On the other hand, we can see how Gautam talked about our leaders idealistic? And of course, they are not. And Modi is just one of them. But at the same time, Modi has crafted himself an image which makes him close to an idealistic leader, at least for the masses. And that's how his success has been and whether other any other leader in India can replicate whatever he has done. So in that sense, we'll go back to the discussion. Problem which I find with Tej's argument is that we have said about a lot of PR image that has been built, which has led to Modi's popularity. But if we see the Indian politics before 2010 or even say 2010 Well, at least Modi has been a very popular figure within Indian politics. Maybe like a lot of people may not know him as such, or people won't imagine him to be the leader of the country, but he was popular. So just saying that he became popular after the advent of social media and that influence actually uh, puffs up his image, I think uh, it's not true. And maybe we'll start with that particular discussion. What is Modi before and after 2014 and how do you see Modi before social media and after social media will lead the discourse in that particular direction?
2: Modi was in fact a very popular leader and there have been multiple instances of Mr. Narendra Modi facing the press because it's, it's not easy to emerge as a chief minister of a state without ground level interaction which I'm pretty sure Modi has. Now talking about Modi without PR there was a time when uh, there was a time when there was not uh, this much PR as we see today for Mr. Narendra Modi. And it's a time when he rose the ranks to the Chief Minister of the state. Um, not just the Chief Minister, he rose the ranks to become one of the most powerful people, at least within his state. And that doesn't uh, that takes a lot of caliber. That takes a lot of lobbying. That takes a lot of influence. And I believe that if Modi were not a strong individual or if, if Modi were not a shrewd politician uh, or, uh, you know, what we expect of from such political leaders, it is very much impossible for Mr. Narendra Modi to open up the rank so fast. Now, uh, the, second, the second point to note here is the disparity between the PR image of Modi uh, and himself in real life versus that of See, um, uh, uh, the, the simple, the simple way to approach this is: see, let's see, if, let's see, if we are, let's say we're just taking a look at, uh, uh, look at Narendra Modi without any of this PR image, right? Even then, Narendra Modi will have definitely appealed to the masses. Even then, Narendra Modi will have a definite um, uh, overhand in the elections because. There is a poison that Mr. Narendra Modi uses um, in his statements or in real life, and that is the concept of Hindutva, the concept of cultural nationalism, or whatever they portray it as. Now, the only thing that the PR image has done is to contain itself uh, inside the crowd that needs to be exposed to this kind of rhetoric. And uh, has put port- uh, uh, aspiring individual outside the PR image definitely has, but even with um, the points that he he would need to make to appeal to the masses is definitely there. being done. The damage would have been done either ways. And talking about walkings in real life. Then again, I would I would have to highly uh, remind my dear friend of how he rose the ranks of uh, Gujarat politics, how he rose the ranks of Indian politics from Gujarat. Um, uh, this would not have been possible. Uh, if not for a shrewd um, leader who is definitely, uh, you know, in the line of Mr. Shashi Therur in his inner workings. Okay. I'm not saying we need to compare leaders at all. I'm just saying if you're taking a look at inner workings, I am. I believe Shashi Therur might have an upper hand because uh, the uh, or uh, rather having an intellectual person uh, has a gain. And there I believe the game of politics is Uh, rather, maybe important but in a different dynamic, right? So if you talk about real life um, survival instincts of Shashi Tharoor versus Narendra Modi, I believe that in the Indian political scenario uh, Narendra Modi who can appeal to the masses would have a better hand versus Shashi Tharoor who I, uh, in a language that is highly unknown to the masses and um, uh, solely relies on his image of being a rather intellectual author who has worked in the United Nations.
0: So yes. you were just saying that social media is just the amplification, rather the content exists there already even with or without social media.
2: More directed in the Indian context, of, of what a leader needs in the Indian context to survive. and. Yeah, yeah, fair enough.
1: Cousin, fair enough. So I think I'll, um, first of all, respond to the argument that has been put forth by Jairam. So it's certainly the case that Modi was popular even before he became the prime minister, even before he started crafting a PR image of himself and started putting it out there for the masses to look up to. But I think the reasons as to why he was popular before 2014 and the reasons as to why he's popular right now are vastly different. And if if you were to use the reasons for his popularity before 2014 now, right now, I don't think he would have actually gained the sort of popularity that he enjoys right now. Because he's actually the same person who was banned from entering the U- United States, you know, in, in the late 2000s. Uh, uh, and he, from there, went on to become a prime minister who made frequent visits to to the country of United States from where he was banned from. Entering. And that image shift actually came with with the PR crafting that I'm right now talking about. I mean, yeah. I mean, the reasons as to why he was popular before 2014, and the reasons as to why he is popular right now are vastly different. I mean, the reasons which made him a popular person in Gujarat before, you know, his his uh, uh, coming to the, the post of the prime minister cannot be the reasons as, cannot be the reasons as to why he should remain popular post the, the 2014 phenomenon after him coming to power, which is that. He became, uh, you know, international. He went international post 2014. And the the image of being an Islamophobic person, the image of being who allegedly had a part to play in the riots which happened in Gujarat in 2002. You know, you know the instance of Atal Bihari Watchpay, you know, holding a press conference with Narendra Modi, with uh, Narendra Modi sitting next to him, and sort of you know Atal Bihari Watchpay reminding him of Raj Sharma, which is the basic ethic with the basic ethics that a ruler needs to abide by in, you know, when he faces himself with a situation of that sort. So he sort of used that to trust himself from being an average leader, from being a unpopular person, from being an average chief minister to perhaps the most influential chief minister of Gujarat, to, to perhaps the most you know, celebrated chief minister of Gujarat. But as you can see, that cannot remain the reasons as to why he is in fact, a. Uh, uh, a real leader post 2014. So there has to be an image shift, there is a shifting in, in image that has actually taken place post his ascendance to power, which has been done by his PR marketing. So of course, he was popular before 2000, 2014. I'm not denying that. But he was popular for different reasons. He actually had a different image. Now, if you, if you look at him, he does not perhaps make the sort of statements that he used to frequently make before this time period that you're talking about, which In fact, you know, uh, had a substantial role to play in his popularity. But despite his change in style, despite his, his, you know, change in the way in which he has carried himself post-2014, post him becoming the Prime Minister, his popularity has not declined. In fact, he has gone international. So that has got something to do with this particular PR image that I'm talking about. So I think which is also the response to the point which you made. Of course, that is important. I mean, he was popular even before. 2014 that has got nothing to do with his PR image, but the reasons are different. And despite his apparent change in the way she's in the in the way in which he's conducting himself right now, his popularity has not declined. In in fact, it has actually gone up. It has you know, you know uh, manifested itself in perhaps larger proportions. And which has got something to do with the PR marketing. He perhaps used his popularity, which was there even. Uh, before he became the prime minister and sort of amplified the same using the social media hype that, that was created post him becoming the prime minister but he's not popular for the very same reasons he's in fact popular for different reasons
0: yeah so sure. i think i have to pick up from what stages um, has said right now is that um,
2: you know i mean i think there's no there's no point uh, countering back and so on no. over something that i think both of us agree to i think i think the point is that we have to meet in the middle so where is the middle ground here? I believe that, uh, as as my friend just said, um, there there is definitely a there is definitely a there is no PR image involved because just like any other politician would, Mr. Narendra Modi has taken enough steps to ensure that as a potential candidate or as a prime minister of the country, um, he is taking a very uh, very neutral stand uh, in the sense that he. Appeases to the masses when he needs to in his space in a private, uh, uh, in a private public space, or as I call it, a PPP. Right? Whereas at the same time, in the public eye, in the lens of the media, in the lens of the general populace, uh, he has to come off clean, uh, so as not to infringe um, any groups, not to uh, you know lose vote banks or anything of that sort over his personal remarks. That is something that he has done and that is definitely, there is a contribution of his PR image. But again, the question is, is he a a reflection of his PR image? I I believe to a certain extent, uh, as we talked about earlier, he does not become an incompetent leader without his PR image. And hence, I believe uh, there is no reason to say that he is nothing without his PR image. But definitely if PRM is something that adds on. Right. That is my point. I think I think we can go to the next section.
0: Uh, I think today more of what actually Modi was before 2014 is done by the leaders of the BJP who are not in the national leadership. Say, for example, Yogi Adhanath or Hemant Bishwa Sarma, Bommai. So the, they are making a lot of communal remarks as well as those on ground who are doing all kinds of uh, would say legal things which are actually condemnable. And in turn, Modi is very silent on all these aspects. He's not calling out any particular leader. He's not keeping a clean slate of what BJP is. In turn, it's up to the local leaders who of the BJP who are engaging in all these things. And BJP is absolutely silent about it. I think in that sense, we can see how Modi has a clean image, but not exactly the top down Uh, structure of BJP, and it has not affected the popularity or the image of BJP as such.
1: Yeah, sure, sure. I think, uh, Jaram, before going any further, I think we should have a clear-cut idea as to what we mean by peer image, because we have been talking so far by, by, you know, taking the assumption that all of us have a common consensus as to what we mean by peer image, because perhaps we might be referring to different things when we say the very same thing, when we refer to the very same concept. Which is which also might be the reason as to why we're having this dispute in the first place. So, in fact, if you could just clarify on that, if you could just, you know, lay out uh, our own conceptions or our own conceptualizations of what we mean by Modi's PR image, perhaps we can resolve half the dispute and reach a
0: One important point I feel about Tarendra Modi is the fact that he is portraying himself to be very populist, but actually he's really part of the establishment and Most of his policies after 2014 were extremely populist in nature, whether it be the social issues, the schemes he has unveiled and whatnot. So how exactly do you think about his populist policies and why doesn't anyone talk much about it contributing to the PR image of his?
2: So in the first term, what we witnessed was the controversial demonetization touted as a move to cleanse he also saw the introduction of the aimed and simplifying India's complex tax system, which which I personally believe can be considered a goal, bold step by political analysts. Now, Modi's strong stance on national added definitely to his image um, as a strong and patriotic leader. And we must also acknowledge the criticism and challenges that these policies face. But even in more, the, the bright side of things for Mr. Modi is that Uh, he managed to uh, keep up on his image. Now, when we come to the second term, the COVID-19 pandemic definitely posed an unprecedented test. Uh, uh, The management of the crisis, including the vaccination drive, reflects uh, both uh, uh, his successes and challenges. It, in fact, raised questions about whether the actions align with the image of a determined leader. Now, we must understand that Mr. Modi's PR image thrives in the age of social media, uh, like we have discussed already we've exploited this point that uh, a digital realm where he communicates directly with millions has to uh, has an important role to play uh, now uh, i think i think uh, i would definitely take a moment to talk about the bjp's it cell which plays a pivotal role in shaping public opinion uh, uh, disseminating information and defending the pr image of mr modi uh, th- there is also definitely the Monkey bath radio show and the powerful pr missionary Uh, uh, that it keeps up uh, and polishes, uh, uh, rather, the image of uh, Mr. Modi. Yet, amid this glittering PR missionary and the carefully curated messages, we definitely need to ask ourselves, is the man truly a reflection of his image or does the mirror distort the truth, right? See, Narendra Modi's rapport with foreign leaders is unquestionable. His interactions in the global stage have reinforced India's standing effect and his charisma and statesmanship uh, make him a commanding presence, at least uh, internationally. As we ponder this enigmatic reflection, we must remember that perceptions can be subjective. The mirror may reflect only what it chooses to show, leaving the rest in shadow. Uh, now, let us address the fact that leadership is nature, multifaceted and complex, right? It evolves, adapts, and responds to the challenges of the day. Uh, and we stand at the crossroads of perception and reality where uh, image uh, meets action, right? We ask discerning individuals, we must navigate this intersection with a critical eye and an open mind. Uh, it is through thoughtful examination, debate and reflection that we begin to unravel the mysteries of leadership image, and their intricate dance. But definitely the question remains, is P.M. Modi a true reflection of his PR image or is he a mirage that uh, beckons us with the allure of grandeur? Uh, The answer, I believe, lies in the mirror, not in the reflection itself. And uh, I I would rather uh, uh, pay heed to my dear friend's arguments before diving deep into uh, a little bit of what happened before and after twenty fourteen, and also about uh, the Teflon image and popularity of Mr. Modi.
1: Yeah, sure, sure. Kaudum, I think there's one important point that you mentioned that needs to be addressed. That is India's rising popularity in in the diplomatic, and this is one yeah. of the reasons which is touted by BJP, which is in fact you know celebrated widely, aiding to his his rise in popularity as well. That is that he has in fact made India Vishwaguru. Or role model that looks up to, and also the diplomatic success which comes subsequently to his policies and to his very brilliant and shrewd interactions in in the international arena. Now, is it true? I think there is a huge disparity between India's image in the diplomatic world and and, India's image at the international level or at at a general level. So, in fact, I'll cite one of the instances to sort of substantiate my point, and that is a poll which was, in fact, taken before. Modi's visit to the US uh, with Joe Biden, where 40% of the people in America don't know who Modi is. So they, they've got no clue as to who Prime Minister Modi is. And also the remaining people who actually know who Modi is don't approve of his policies or don't have a great understanding of his policies. And the ones who actually have an understanding of his policies don't approve of the same. So, uh, of course, as you know, there is very, a very particular reason or there are... You know, uh, a set of definite and particular reasons as to why countries at the international level sort of behave in a particular way, which is uh, a part and parcel of that foreign policy. Now, It does not have the slightest bearing that the general public public in these countries have actually got an opinion, uh, a general opinion, which perhaps reflects the stance taken by their country at the international arena. So simply because the US government sort of shows an allyship to the Indian government or because simply because both of these countries are great allies at the international level, does not have the slightest bearing that the general public in the U.S. actually approves of what India is doing or what India stands for or what Modi uh, you know, uh, is, is doing for that matter, so, which is precisely reflected in this poll that I'm talking about. So if you look at uh, India's interactions with the U.S. and all of the other countries at the international level, you can actually sort of uh, fall to this folly or, or this facade that India is actually, in fact, becoming a Vishwaguru. Guru. But if you actually look at the international reports published by organizations, if you look at the articles published by international media, houses, if you actually look at the indices uh, that is published by think tanks and, and reputed and formidable global organizations, it perhaps does not reflect this particular picture that we're actually talking about. So the reason as to why countries behave in a particular way with India might have got something to do with their personal policies. they got might have got something to do with their personal interests, whether it be trade or all of the other issues that we can actually talk about. But it does not mean that Modi's popularity is actually being reflected at the same level, at the same intensity in all of these countries. In fact, if you look at the, uh, you know, if you look at India's rankings in, in all of these indices or reports that we can talk about, it speaks to the contrary. Or if you just look at, uh, you know, the general sentiment, which can actually be reflected by questions being posited by reporters from these countries to the Indian government or to Narendra Modi in particular, when he was actually on a visit to US. Uh, There's a question put forth by this particular uh, journalist from US about the condition of minorities that actually shows that there is a stark contrast between what is projected as India's image at the diplomatic forum and what is actually India's image or Narendra Modi's image at at the general level in in the international scenario, which I think is a point worth mentioning, and which is also something which completely delegitimizes this, uh, you know, folly that India is actually becoming a Vishwa Guru under the leadership of Narendra Modi because of his policies.
0: I think somehow I do agree to a bit of your point saying that a lot of what countries decide among themselves need not necessarily be perceived by the public as good or bad. But we do need to understand the fact that India became a very important power, great power in the international sphere, starting from the 2000s onwards, whether it be Vajpayee's era, whether it be Manmohan Singh's era, and now in uh, the Modi era, and need not be just because Modi is PM, and every country respects India in the way it should be, and it might be also be the situational aspects, especially a lot of countries see India as an alternative to China and how India is looking westward as well. So in that sense, I think um, I'll ask Gautam to give his views and remarks on the same.
2: I think contributing to what uh, my dear friend Tejas just said, right? Definitely, uh, uh, Tejas, it's rather said that diplomacy is the art of saying nice doggy until you can find a stick or a stone to throw at the dog. So uh, the point of discussion here being Mr. Narendra Modi and his PR image Um, recently in the international sphere I believe maybe maybe what we are looking at is definitely the personal interests of uh, nations but even then we have to understand that there is a role that a leader plays uh, during the interaction with these particular nations number one and number two we we must also consider the fact that uh, uh, Narendra Modi also has had an advantage when it comes to, um, uh, you know, holding down to the sentiment of uh, uh, a lot of the leaders uh, while he makes visits. But uh, apart from that, definitely, there is definitely a personal interest of the country, this personal trade interest. There is all of these factors that contribute to um, uh, what we are talking about here today. I will not rather put forth more arguments in the spectrum because uh, then again I believe we are at a common mutual standpoint where uh, uh, arguments uh, arguments can uh, trespass right Now uh, let me try to let me try to uh, um, sum up what what we have discussed today and uh, you know put forth my closing arguments right uh, for example, as we draw near the conclusion right we find ourselves, as I said earlier, at a crossroads where perception and reality intersect, right? Uh, Throughout our discourse, we have traversed the timeline of Narendra Modi's ascent from his roots in the RSS to the tenure uh, um, as the Chief Minister of Gujarat and eventually to his role as the Prime Minister of India. We have seen how his image has evolved from a staunch nationalist and a proponent of Hindutva ideology um, uh, to being a global statesman. As, as we just deliberated about, and a proponent of development and innovation. See, we've scrutinized the policies of the NDA government. We have dissected the bold moves like uh, demonetization and GST, or as they are portrayed to be um, by his MNPRT. prt uh, We have also seen uh, how um, he handled or mishandled the unprecedented COVID-19 crisis in the second term and how his team covered up for it. We've also seen how these policies have aligned or sometimes diverged from the PR image uh, uh, that has been projected. And in the exploration of the PR machinery, uh, the social media presence, the role of the BJP's IT cell, um, etc., have also come into the discussion. Uh, we have unveiled the power of image management and messaging. And we've also examined how the monkey bath radio show Uh, and an adept PR team have crafted and maintained a polished public persona, right? Furthermore, we've also marveled at his rapport with foreign leaders, which has definitely and undeniably elevated India's standing on the global stage, uh, um, even though there might be personal interests of the countries at stake. His charisma and diplomacy have definitely garnered attention and admiration worldwide, uh, um, irrespective of arguments because this is something that does not stem from personal interests. But as we stand on this uh, 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 side of the issue, it is imperative to recognize uh, that the nuanced nature of uh, leadership and image is an important factor. It is a terrain where perception often diverges from reality and the mirror of public opinion, like all mirrors, reflects only what it chooses to reveal, right? It is a selective lens um, uh, through which we view leadership uh, Narendra Modi um, being influenced by a multitude of factors, uh, whether it be seen or unseen. Right? And we've also seen uh, in our journey today, uh, we've probed rather, we've questioned and we've analyzed. Uh, we must definitely acknowledge that the answer to whether his uh, his image is indeed a mirror reflection of his PR image Uh, may remain uh, elusive Um, uh, especially in a diverse and complex nation like India leadership defies simplistic definitions that is that is what I'd like to put forth and uh, as we prepare to conclude it is important for us to carry with us the wisdom that leadership is evolving and that it is subject to interpretation right Uh, it is uh, in, in, in an interesting way to put this is that it is a dance between aspiration and reality, where the image is both uh, not only a projection but also a reflection. And in our quest to understand the enigma of his leadership, we have not unearthed a definitive answer, in my opinion. Even though we all have standpoints to agree upon, had different points to deliberate upon, but in our collective space of democracy, a space where open dialogue, of discourse, and reflection allow us to engage with the complexity uh, and understand the complexity at its depth. So, um, again, the mirror may hold many secrets, but the journey of inquiry and exploration continues. Um, As I said, I agree with my dear friend in a lot of aspects and uh, I have tried to express opposing views uh, in certain others. Even though uh, playing a devil's advocate, I believe that uh, we both have and our part to expose uh, different spectrums of this particular complex dynamic issue to the audience. That is it from my side. Thank you.
0: What do you think about Modi not apologizing for any of his mistakes, maybe categorically only for the single decision which he apologized or considered was during the farmers' protest? Otherwise, how do you see the image on how he protects himself as a strong leader who doesn't make any mistakes and he covers e- easily for all the mistakes he has done, not actually reflecting any negatives about himself or his government. How do you see that?
1: Well, I think that, of course, aligns with the perception put forth by his party of Narendra Modi being a strong-willed, determined person who would not apologize for his policies. Because, of course, Narendra Modi never goes to but I think there is an aspect that, that we're actually missing out on, and that is the fact that he's not actually being pressurized enough by the mainstream media to sort of render an apology. So when the media sort of steps itself into the shoes of the opposition and does the work of the opposition of questioning the government, sort of, you know, uh, introspecting into their policies in, in a fastidious fashion, rather, and sort of pressurizing the, them them enough to revisit some of their policies and sort of correct them if necessary, they've actually gone forth and purchased the whole of mainstream media, which is now being collectively referred to as the Godi media, a, a coin, you know, a coin is that was actually put forth by a prominent journalist, Rebhish Kumar, to refer to the lapdog nature of the mainstream media. And and it has got something to do with the fact that he's actually not being pressurized enough from all the four corners for him to sort of render an apology. And the fact that he has not rendered an apology for the various decisions or, or for, for the various uh, instances where where he has actually gone wrong even explicitly has got something to do with the pr image that that is being crafted so in a sense it actually aligns with the the social media version of what narendra Modi is and that has also got something to do with the fact that he's actually not being pressurized enough and i mean apart from these left- wing pockets especially that that has got nothing to do with the mainstream media i mean if you if you look at the, uh, you know the, the news outlets that is being aired on social media not in mainstream They've actually uh, covered these issues in great detail, but we don't actually see a reflection of the same at, at a national level in the national medias that we're talking about, that we collectively refer to as Gudhi media, and that has perhaps made his work easier of sticking on to everything that he has done in the past and sort of conveying an image that he has been right every single time, just to substantiate my case with an instance of him saying that he can actually be put to death. In if, if you know, everything is not corrected within 50 days. then he was actually talking about the demonetization the subsequent hardships that it created for the people. And he was actually referring to the long queues in front of banks. And he actually made this statement in public that he can actually be hanged to death if everything does not become right in 50 days. But of course, it took a lot longer than 50 days for things to sort of, you know, uh, uh, to, to uh, for normalcy to be restored. and. Of course, demonetization has not rendered the effects that it was thought to deliver uh, in terms of the cash crunch that it created and and the fact that most of the notes which were demonetized came back to the bank, unlike BGP expected. The BGP was actually expecting almost 25% of the notes to not come back to the bank, giving a boost to the economy. But contrary to the expectation almost all of the notes, actually 98% of the notes in circulation, 98, 99% of the notes in circulation actually came back to the bank. So, which of course points out to the fact that it was actually a huge blunder from there. Now, that is one instance. And the other instance is that of uh, you the know, Farmers Bill I and mean, uh, the, pr- the protest that, that you were actually referring to. So, even if we take all of these instances, we can actually tremble upon multiple instances of the BJP going wrong, of the Prime Minister going wrong. And the fact that she has got he has not apologized for the same, has got something to do with his PR image of being a strong-willed, determined person who never makes mistakes. And also the fact that the media has not pressurized him enough for very apparent reasons that we don't have to talk about because it is perhaps you know well known. And we don't will not maybe have a disagreement on the same.
0: We'll come to the closing soon. So I think coming to Modi's popularity in particular, especially what you have talked about think when we talk about the mainstream media, we generally refer to the TV media and not exactly. I hope that's right, right. We, there are a lot of newspapers, whether it be the Hindu, the Indian Express and the Hindustan Times, which are actually doing a good job in reporting what exactly is the true facts happening in the country. Although it's not actually reflecting in the feedback mechanism of the BJP government. Instead, what we see the TV media that is actually creating a bit of recklessness and being behaving like a lapdog media to the Modi government. So coming to the end of our discussion as such, we are at the doorstep of 2024 election. So, and undisputedly, I think Modi government will be reelected again for the third time with almost the same margin. And obviously, the opposition alliance, known as the India Alliance, may not perform as people expect to be or they themselves expect it to be. So looking for a last closing remark from both of you. In addition to that, I would expect a small answer to what exactly are the resources that you can use, which the general public can be made aware of to understand how brand Modi works and this can be resources which you generally use as well or it may be something which you suggest that is really good for them to know.
2: As far as the question, uh, the big question of, uh, of how media are being influenced and how media play an important role as concerned, I believe it is imperative to note the fact that what my dear friend has highlighted um, that BJP has in fact acquired a lot of these media houses who are supposed to give unbiased um, uh, news uh, but rather now having a fierce editorial policy aligned to a particular, po- uh, aligned to the interest, actually very much concerning, especially in a democracy. I refer to the media as one of the undeniable right. So this is this is in fact very concerning. Now the actual question whether um, whether this particular media is building or adding on to the PR image of Mr. Modi, um, undeniably they are having a positive impact on how they wish. Mr. Modi to be portrayed, but the, but the actual fact here Mr. Modi has had an image um, uh, before this uh, uh, media acquisition drive or uh, even before editorial policies uh, were biased in the favor of Mr. Modi. And that is something that they have achieved over the years, right? Over the years, they put a lot of work into it. Uh, and there is undeniably a lot of contribution of the IT cell, whatever we're talking about, but there definitely is a contribution of the man himself and uh, of how a shrewd politician he is, whether it be beneficial or not for the country. Now, keeping that in mind, I believe the influence of goody Media just makes this a little bit worse, not just a little bit um, uh, a lot in the longer run. But uh, can we counter this? Yes. And uh, the answer to that is uh, is through is through a pro Democracy, a proper, uh, a proper formulation of democracy, right? Uh, but the but the unfortunate truth is that we are already stuck in an infinite loop um, that appeases uh, World Bank politics uh, and whatnot, and it's rather just more of majoritarianism than uh, it's more majoritarianism than what we expect to see. Uh, in a in a country crafted with the vision of a lot of people and crafted uh, with a constitution that is probably one of the most idealistic in the world, uh, you know, especially since our forefathers have taken a lot of care drafting this particular constitution. Now, talking about uh, talking about the last part, that uh, resources to learn more about Mr. Modi, I believe. I believe what we need to analyze is the so-called Modi media itself first. Because we need a a case study of how they wish Mr. Modi um, is seen by people. We need a case study of how they portray him to be among the masses. And from there, we can uh, root down upon the common factors and we can find out what they are trying to hide. That is number one. Point number two is definitely we need to take a look at other media houses and try to figure out um, how they are executing this and what kind of particular information is um, that they are blotting out uh, with both of these in hand we can also um, uh, take a take a dig into mr modi uh, into the discourses that he has made in the past we can also look at it uh, uh, look at all the scholarly resources available especially uh, on internet on google scholar about Uh, about studies that have been done uh, by established personalities in this field on his particular PR image and also about uh, him um, before, back in time. So, all of this put forth, I believe, uh, can formulate an informed opinion on any matter uh, with regards to Mr. Narendra Modi and his PR image um also as i as i had stated in my uh, uh, statement earlier uh, i think this discourse ends in a blur right uh, in a blur that once again proves that mirrors hold many secrets but the journey of inquiry and exploration continues forever and that uh, democracy is a space where open dialogue, discourse, and reflection to engage with complexity. That is it. Thank you.
1: So, I think I'll just straight off jump into the resources that one needs to analyze to be able to decode. I'll just give you a snapshot of the resources that I usually refer to. We have got a couple of excellent papers on the advent of social media and how it has actually impacted the, you know, the rights of right-wing nationalism and right-wing populism across the world. That is not just confined to be it it Italy, uh, be it USA, be it our own countries. So if you just take a look around the world. There has been an absurd of right-wing nationalism, especially post the advent of social media because of a variety of reasons. So if you want to just, you know, take a look at these um, research papers which talk about this particular issue that might we have got yeah, from the mainstream media that we often refer to, we have got a couple of uh, journalist teams in social media, be it news or be it YouTube bloggers who actually come up with excellent content to perhaps in a step up fill the space that, the that has been left been by our mainstream, mainstream media, be it Dhruvrati or be it re- regional uh, news channels, regional media, so excellent repository of information, information to actually counteract false and propaganda that's spread by Mainstream media, so that is what I usually refer to, and that is what I would suggest to others as well. If you if you want to just take a shot at decoding the movie and see the folly side inside it.
0: Also, coming to the resources part, I think in addition to all this, I personally refer to a very few channels in particular. From English, I think the print is a very important digital news outlet in India, and they have an extensive coverage on a lot of things in Indian politics and. They have a special show which is Cut the Clutter by Shekhar Gupta, who is one of the most renowned journalists. So he does an in-depth analysis of half an hour every day, mostly on Indian politics. And that's really insightful. In addition to that, he does a weekly column called as National Interest. So he generally covers mostly related to Modi, his image, BJP, and the national politics in general. In addition to that, there is uh, the Leland Top, which is a Hindi news outlet, which is doing a great job covering almost all the elections in India, both on ground as well as through interactions with um, the subject experts and important journalists of the country. So they give a lot of insight on what's happening within the party as well, the discussions happening within the party, how actually both Modi and Amit Shah are trying to do within these particular parties, how the high command functions and all these details. In addition to that, there is a book How BJP Wins that's a really important book which I think everyone should read basically how Modi has crafted this image and combined with the RSS carder which is actually doing a great job in supporting Modi government. In general, these are some interesting resources which you can use. In addition to that, you can use uh, any digital news media, say like news laundry or even I feel uh, instead of Rati, I think more insightful and in-depth content is created by Soch. Uh, by um, I forgot the name of the content creator. So he does more in-depth research based views, which I think you can digest more easily. Drurati is also good, but I think if you are more into in-depth analysis, you can refer to his videos. So coming to conclusion, I think Modi's popularity is mostly related not only by his social media and the mainstream media, but what he is starting from uh, his tenure as the chief minister. Later on, he himself combined with the tactical use of social media, Twitter mainly, followed by Facebook, then YouTube, and his personal interaction, including the Namo app, then Manki Bhat, he has struck an important image which i think no one can distort till now maybe we don't know what happened or what exactly will happen in future but exactly speaking no one can actually dent this image till now and i hope no one will and definitely we don't know what exactly is going to happen and we also talked about how modi has crafted his image with bjp it cell his charisma with foreign leaders, and also how his policies are extremely popular, both on ground as well as with the media and the role how the Godi media actually perpetrates Modi's popularity, hiding his failures and not actually questioning him or his government or not putting pressure on giving a proper response. So I think these are what exactly the main issues which we covered today and I really should thank both Tejas and Gautam for taking their time out of their busy schedule and before going or ending this session, I would like to ask mainly Tejas, I hope this was your first podcast experience and um, how exactly was this experience and what suggestion do you have to the audience as well as how do you think this podcast has been do you think such podcasts actually help people get a lot of information and
1: well i think jerome there's a lot of questions just telescoped into uh, you know a single phrasing i think i think i think i'll respond to that one by one about my port- podcast experience i think like you said this is my debut in in that respect this is my first podcast experience in in that respect and i think in the beginning it was a bit jittery. i sort of you know, fumbled here and there, I was trying to gather up my points and sort of phrase it into a five minute speech and I did it spontaneously. So I don't know how the out is going to be. I'll have to listen to that to be able to sort of reflect on that more. So what I tell you, it was a bit jittery in the beginning, but somewhere in between, somewhere midway, it sort of took pace. It took up pace and I, I got more comfortable with the format. We sort of started indulging into the discussion, unlike what it was in the beginning. And, uh, yeah, whether or not this, these podcasts would actually help well i think it does uh, not just talking about the podcast but uh, we we live in a we live in a scenario wherein the mainstream media outlets are just forgetting their role as journalists as media houses as, as the press and so i think it is very important for um, media outside the mainstream space media whether it be the print media, which is of course one of the most you know, traditional formats of disseminating information. But I think apart from that, the newly emerged um, in- information houses or rather we call it, information, whether it be podcasting or whether it be political blogging, blogging, I think it's got an important void to fill because we live in an era where uh, mainstream media has actually conformed itself to the whims and fancies of the party where it has completely forgotten its journalistic ethics and objectives as media houses, so I think this is important. Now, whether or not it has got reach depends on uh, which platform that you're talking about. It depends from one media house to another. We have got political bloggers or bloggers have got millions of followers, and we have got blooming or budding podcast channels as well, like this. So it is important. It has got a huge space to fill. It has got a huge role to do. It has objectives. And the reach, I think, is going to be exponential in the future because coming is the age of technology, coming is the age of artificial intelligence, infotainment. So, of course, if you if you are in the right track if you sort of structure your plans accordingly, you've got a great way to go and a great deal to do as well. So that is all about my take on it.
0: Okay. Thank you so much, Tejas. So, that said, I'm um, just taking cue from what you exactly have said. This podcast, actually, it's not intended to... Compromise any of your information sources. So don't consider this to be your main sources of information and that's not actually my or this platform's intent. This is just to make you get some thought or food for thought maybe and get a critical analysis which you can work on yourself. Refer to more resources and improve your opinion. So that's only my intention. And in addition to that, I think it has been a great discussion as such. I need to thank both of you once again. That's it. I think we can wind up today's session and thank you so much listeners for sticking on till the end. So do listen to our previous episodes on any podcast streaming platforms you uh, follow. And if you haven't subscribed to us yet, you can follow us on any podcast streaming platform and you can read our articles across platforms. All the links are available in the description. And thank you once again to the listeners for continuingly supporting